2: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts: Russ K5TUX, Cheryl W5MOO, and Bill NE4RD.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome! You to episode number three hundred eighty-one of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Ham Shack, and yeah, we've. We've done 380 episodes and got one more to do and hopefully another thousand. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but we'll introduce ourselves before we get rolling too far. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
3: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD.
1: And tonight is our short topics episode where we cover all kinds of things and we have all kinds of things to cover. So we should probably just dive in and do it. And of course, as always, these will be red cold. So, <laughs> so so gear up for the for freshly the,
3: uh, cut and pasted from the interwebs.
1: That's right. <laughs> so if you if you haven't heard the show before, maybe listen to the last one first, <laughs> or something. <else. laughs> uh, sort of get an idea of what you're about to uh, encounter. But for those who have been here. Uh, for any of the 380 before the, this one, you know exactly what to expect. And the first thing that we should expect is some amateur radio topics. And Bill is going to tell us about our
3: lovely government. Oh, absolutely. The FCC votes to free up 5.9 gigahertz band for unlicensed Wi-Fi. Despite objectives, uh, objectives. Let's despite see. objections, what, what did we say? What did yeah, we exactly? say? <laughs> <laughs> Reading it for the first time. Uh, yeah. Despite objections from the Department of Transportation, or otherwise known as the DOT, D-O-T uh, the FCC voted today to allow unlicensed use of 45 megahertz of spectrum in the 5.9 gigahertz band. The spectrum was originally dedi- dedicated to intelligent transportation systems (ITS) over 20 years ago but few such deployments have occurred. The 5.9 gigahertz band includes 75 megahertz of spectrum between 5.85 and 5.925 gigahertz. The FCC action today makes the lower 45 megahertz of that band available to, for unlicensed use, while continuing to dedicate the upper 30 megahertz of the band to ITS. Uh, making the lower 45 megahertz of spectrum available for unlicensed use has gained broad support because that spectrum is adjacent to the 5.8 gigahertz band currently used on an unlicensed basis for wi-fi and much uh, of the installed base of wi-fi equipment can be upgraded via software to use the additional spectrum paving the way for wi-fi to operate at gigabit speeds oh that's a good thing uh indoor use of the additional 45 megahertz can commence immediately so flash your routers right away. Uh, while those wishing to uh, use the Spectrum Outdoors will need to wait a year until those few existing ITS users in the band can move to the upper portion of the band. So I would assume that these ITS systems are vehicles, and uh, there'll be a recall notice <laughs> for your thing to get re- reprogrammed.
1: Uh, let's make sure your routers are consenting before you flash them. You might wind up with a lawsuit. So. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. An important change, however, is that the previous FCC rules called for the ITS band to use dedicated short-range communications or DSRC technology, but the new rules call for the ITS portion of the band to use the newer cellular vehicle to everything. That's the CV2X technology. According to FCC Commissioner Michael O'Reilly, rough, 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 i <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just answering the dog uh, who <laughs> championed the order adopted today, along with the FCC commissioner, Jessica Rosenworcel, Rosenworcel. I guess that's good enough. Or Workel, Maybe. I don't know. Only uh, 15,000 cars supporting uh, DR, uh, DSRC technology were ever manufactured and only 3,000 were ever sold. So only 3,000 people have to worry about that recall. Uh, None of the none are currently for sale," he noted at today's FCC meeting, where the order was adopted. Most current deployments are for testing purposes," he said. The technology, he said, was a road to nowhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I came from Telecompetitor. (laughs) 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 A road to nowhere. I see what he did there. Sounds Um, like (laughs) Juno. So who? So three thousand cars. Wonder, wonder what cars Uh, and and what are uh, they doing now? I'm assuming our googling expert can google that up. Yeah, perhaps so. I hope. I hope this is not a technology that's like gone away, and that that's like you know something Tesla did, where it's part of the automatic driving system, and now there has a, somebody is cruising down some interstate somewhere, and it just suddenly doesn't work anymore. Would, well, considering
3: bad. it was <laughs> it was brought about in the year 2000, I don't even think. Uh, yeah, probably. Whatever the his little solar company that he had originally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, he was even there, so.
1: Well, that's okay. He's ripped off everybody else's ideas anyway. So.
3: Eh? Huh? Got to, got to make a money.
1: <laughs> that's right.
3: Mo' money, mo' problems.
1: Yep. Still waiting for the hyperloop.
3: Okay. <laughs> Through Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Gonna be waiting a long time. Can't even get a highway paved there. Christ.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fill uh, the damn potholes. <laughs> See, the thing is, a Hyperloop or something like a uh, high-speed rail would be great between Kansas City and St. Louis. It would be, that is that is the perfect thing for that because it's nonstop. It's, it, it's <laughs> well, basically <yeah>. a straight <laughs> corridor between the two, 250 miles, and if you could do it in an hour, that'd be awesome.
0: There's a lot of, there's been talks about doing that for years. Yeah, but and no one wants to pay for the talking. infrastructure,
1: so. Yeah. All right. So next on our list, we have SpaceX Dragon Capsule Resilience ferries four radio amateurs to the ISS. And this is what we were watching the videos of the other day, right? Um, Because the SpaceX rockets are kind of awesome. Awesome. They're awesome. SpaceX Dragon Capsule Resilience carrying four radio amateurs autonomously docked on November 17th at 0401 UTC with the International Space Station, a SpaceX Falcon 9 launcher carrying the Precious payload went into space on Sunday, November 15th from NASA's Kennedy Space Center. They comprised the ISS Expedition 64 and 65 crew. Quote, well, the ISS is loaded with hams now. (laughs) Aren't aren't all astronauts hams? I mean, whether or (laughs) not To some extent or another. Yeah, exactly, by some definition. Amateur radio on the International Space Station, ARIS, U.S. delegate for the ARL, Rosalie White, K-1STO, said on Tuesday... That probably sounded really weird the way I read it, but just go with it. Uh, quote, these four arrived very early this morning Eastern time. NASA astronauts Victor, Victor Glover, K-I- KI-5BKC, Mike Hopkins, KF-5LJG, and Shannon Walker, KD-5DXB, as well as Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, JAXA, astronaut Soichi Noguchi, KD-5TVP. This marks Glover's first time in space. The others are all ISS veterans. Earlier this year, NASA ISS HAM project coordinator Kenneth Ransom, and by VHO held amateur radio licensing study sessions for Glover, who passed a technician exam on August 20th. The four will remain on the station until next spring. They joined Expedition 64 Commander Sergei Maryshkov and Flight Engineer Sergei Kuzverkov, S- Kuzverkov of the Russian <laughs> Space Agency... Roscomos on the ISS.
0: Are you okay?
1: I think so. Why?
0: <laughs> you sound like you're about to bust a gut or something there, so. There's a try. few extra consonants there. You just have to. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, come on no matter. <laughs> Pigs in space. All right. <laughs> anyway, again, did, take the I used notice, to right? love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: so good. Mm, my Muppets. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and it was still really cool to see the thing come back down and land on the drone ship. That that still defies explanation, almost, when you watch it. It's it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, pretty cool. I mean, shooting people up in capsules, like <laughs> we used to back in the 60s. Awesome, <laughs> awesome stuff.
1: <laughs> yep, it <laughs> is shooting up in the back alleys, it's on the watch pads, it can, you know, Cape Canaveral. Well, it definitely
3: but, appears to be the most uh, economically efficient way to do it, so... Very good. you we can't send them up in a 747 and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> those don't really go that high. So, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, the, uh, the, the the shuttle being such a large
1: aircraft to actually pull into space. <laughs> right, right. Along
3: with the, the rockets and everything else to get it there.
1: Yeah, and like I said the last time we were talking about SpaceX rockets, they really know how to do form as well as function. So those, those things look cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, and they're reusing them. So that's good
1: so much so all right so cheryl are you reading stories or
0: no not right, no.
1: okay in that case bill is going to tell us about the next one
3: yeah and <clears throat> this one could have probably gone in open source too i just threw it in ham radio because hey it sounded more ham radio-ish uh hermes and red pataya now supported an open web rx that's right open web rx that thing that we thought was going to die with sdrhu it's it's out there and living strong. Uh, thank you to Steven Dambeck, uh, DC, 7 ds for submitting news about the open WebRX. Okay. So this is. On from the RTL SDR site. So they're thanking him about this. I could have cut this out, but that's okay. Uh, about <laughs> OpenWebRx, adding support for Hermes HPSDR compatible SDRs. Hermes is a single board version of the open source high performance SDR, HPS SDR design. Uh, there are several compatible Hermes designs, including the the newer Hermes Lite 2. The Red Pattaya is an open source electronics laboratory instrument, but custom software can be installed, allowing it to function as an HPSDR type SDR. That's a lot of SDRs. Um, OpenWebRx is the software which allows you to access your SDR remotely via the interwebs or internet uh, or local network through a web browser. Stefan notes, I built a test. This is a quote. I built a test set up today using Red toilet 125-14 SDR in HPSDR mode. And this is now also supported. See screenshot. So, yeah. I'm showing you the screenshot through the podcast. Just imagine <laughs> a lot of colors and like a waterfall and like signals and stuff. Anyway, at the moment, only one one receive stream is supported uh, for the Red Pattaya with 120 192 kilohertz of bandwidth. So must be a, a bandwidth limited thing. But hey, it's a first stab at it. So if you only have uh, your your Open Web RX just for you, you only have to worry about one user being on it at a time. So. And and if you happen to have the red pataya <laughs> so anyway, that story came to us from the RTL SDR folks, and of course they aggregate all kinds of SDR news. So, uh, so that was a pretty good find. Also, it was nice to see that Open WebRX uh, has a few forks out there that are quite lively. This one just got updated a few days ago, so
1: yeah, very good. It's nice to have something that's continuing on after the the demise of SDR at HU. But um, anyway, I think this next one might have been written for you. <laughs> so, oh, is that me? Oh, okay. I think I think this one was kind of written for uh, for Billism. So uh, we're going to switch topics and move over to open source. And uh, since yeah. I don't want to be Bill tonight, we're going to let him take this one too. Yeah,
3: you know, yeah, this was a this was an interesting one, and I only put enough in here to kind of get a glimmer of what the what the actual topic was. So uh, this came from uh, the Raccoon Blog, and this is a uh, no: open source does not mean includes free support. <laughs> sounds really bad when i say it that way
1: it it Uh, does but i don't think anyone's ever had that confusion have they
3: uh apparently so so uh yeah over on the raccoon this is a this is the apk downloader for windows linux and mac os their blog the developer has posted a blog that has gone somewhat viral after making its way onto uh y combinator you know hacker news uh here's and this is a from the article itself or blog post here's a Paraphrase conversation I'm having way too often, costing me way too much time, keeping me from doing things that are way more important. User, hi, I'd like to report a bug in your application. Me, great, please open a support ticket then. (laughs) The user (laughs) says, but it it looks like I need to pay for that. And I respond, no, so? (laughs) (laughs) And the user says, I just want to tell you that your app is broken so you can fix it. And me says, "Yes, that's what's a, that's a support request. Please open a ticket." <laughs> and the user just sends him an ellipses. Anyway, from there, it typically derails into a whiny tirade about me being a crappy two-bit developer who doesn't give a sh- shit <laughs> about his code. This is actually in there, so this is quoted, uh, which is ridiculous. Since uh, professional pride aside, I have every incentive to fix bugs to prevent my inbox from getting flooded. And just wants to rip off his users. Oh, so that was in parentheses, so sounded really weird when I read it that way. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, So yeah, so anyway, the, the, uh, there's, there was the original article, which was this one where he was just kind of, you know, venting the fact that, you know, it's fine. If, if you, if you have support problems, you know, you can follow the path. Yeah, this is a project that the, the author wrote basically for himself and then shared you know much like a lot of open source software we we write a lot of software to solve our own problems and then we share it and people can you know do what they want with it right <laughs> that's, that's but, occasionally, belief, yeah. but occasionally you have these people that uh, are not programmers or tinkerers and uh, you know they just it doesn't quite work for their specific set of circumstances and uh, yeah i don't see any reason why uh, <laughs> there would be an assumption that uh, that uh, the author would fix it specifically for you uh so uh yeah um and so he wrote a a follow-up to this post as well (laughs) and let's see uh some of the things that people wrote um uh, in response to his his little Kind of tirade. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really consider tirade, but maybe like, you know, Captain Obvious speech <laughs> as a uh, open source developer. Um, here's what people wrote back to him. He's, people said, bugs must be fixed. And he responds, no, they don't. <laughs> Have you read the license agreement? Search for the phrase as is. Every OSI approved license contains it. Normally in cap or usually in caps. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, here's another. Uh, The bug was your fault in the first place. And he responds, so, oh, wait, is this going to be one of those conspiracy theories where I deliberately put bugs into my code in order to make you pay for removing them? Not really. Yeah, let's see, here's a good one. My bug reports are a work of art, you prick. I spend my time <laughs> on helping you improve your software. Yeah. His response is, your bug doesn't bother me. If it did, I would have fixed it myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this guy. I mean, really, you know, uh, if you have a bug with a piece of software, the best way to pro, you know, kind of move forward with that is to A, either fork the repo. <laughs> Put your own uh, fix in there and then do a pull request back into the mainline repo and say, hey, here, I found a bug. Here's the pull request. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, And if you're not willing to do that, well, yeah, I would do whatever the author expects you to do. And whether that includes monetizing his effort to develop software that you are using for nothing. uh, Hey, why not? You know, that's that's kind of like how it all works. <laughs> it's so, interesting uh, that
1: I've never come across a project that has a pay-for-play bug fix model. Um, I, I hadn't even heard of this up until now. I guess I've just been lucky.
3: Yeah, I haven't either, but I, I wouldn't be against it. But depending upon, I mean,
1: you know what the bug is, for Christ's sake, it's <laughs> all available. Good can... thing didn't, didn't do this. We... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'd be broke right now. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, crikey.
2: You know, it looks
3: like a pretty cool application, and people are using it. Uh, yeah. I, I would assume that if he's going to worry about, uh, let's see, he's building it for Mac OS as well, so it means he has to pay for a Mac OS developer's license <clears throat> so he can actually you know get a signed certificate
1: and all that other crap that yeah, you need to put that's like a hundred dollars a year though right i mean it's not
3: yeah well i mean that's like get you in the door i think there's other like micro costs that you have to incur and stuff like that so um but still yeah <sighs> yeah just pay the yeah. goddamn man his money and yeah, get over it. No, yeah or so, use yeah it, i wouldn't use a piece of
1: software that's that's what the whole thing about you know open yeah, source write your is own. write your own use something that works just as well yeah whatever this thing is you're using i guarantee you it's not the only one out there so yeah
3: i I just thought it was an interesting article it's not really news or anything like that but i thought it's uh, something a little different to put in here so anyway there's links to the original and the follow-up and if you're uh, uh, a hacker news junkie like me you've probably already seen it
1: (laughs) because it was on there so anyway all right very good that was kind of fun so, moving on, we have Dear Pi GUI 0.6.0 has been released. Dear Pi GUI is a simple to use but powerful Python GUI framework. Dear Pi GUI provides a wrapper of Dear I Am GUI, or I'm GUI. <laughs> I'm GUI. Lovely. Uh, which simulates a traditional retain mode GUI, as opposed to Dear I Am GUI's <laughs> immediate mode pair. You You did this on yeah. purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> immediate mode paradigm dear pi gui is fundamentally different than other python gui frameworks under the hood dear pi gui uses the immediate mode paradigm in your computer's gpu to facilitate extremely dynamic interfaces dear pi gui is currently supported on the following platforms windows 10 DirectX 11 mac os metal those are the rendering engines i'm sorry i
3: should have. oh okay that was a table (laughs) and i pulled the headers off oh yeah so (laughs) rendering
1: engines yes You'll, you'll get the idea OS and Linux, Linux OpenGL3. In the same manner, Dear I am GUI, or I'm GUI, provides a simple way to create tools for game developers. Dear PyGUI provides a simple way for Python developers to create quick and powerful GUIs for scripts. Now, why did I even include that? In yeah, there? why did you even include
3: <laughs> that? Because well, you wanted hey, to make someone was else really, read it. It was really fun to hear you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I had never heard of it before. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking we got a lot of system admins and stuff like that, you know, like yourself and a bunch of other people that do like a little Python, you know, maybe a little under the hood work and stuff like that. And maybe have even delved into using TK or WX or one or cute, right? It's (laughs) actually Teak. (laughs) Teak. Oh, TK. TK is Teak. Tickle Tick. Yeah, Tickle Tick. Tickle Tick.
1: Yeah. That was a Teak. Well, tick. tick tick, something like that, but not TK. You know, you know how the developers yeah, are. Yeah,
3: it would have been tick, is like the first was Tickle Tick, yes. C-L-T-T-K. So, yep. And I remember that from Pearl Days, so. <laughs> because <laughs> I did some Tickle Tick. So, <laughs> but anyways, who cares? Um, but yeah, this is a this is actually a pretty cool little library uh that straps onto this IMGUI um, uh, framework. <laughs> you
1: said strap on.
3: Strap on, yeah. <laughs> it pumps it really well from behind no <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it snowballs downhill from there. Yeah. I, I was trying <laughs> to Are find you saying it. it's
1: back end software? Is that what yeah, you it's back-end. Yeah, it's back
0: end, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh,
3: it could be front Is end too. To front end? Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs>
3: topish or bottom layer, I can't remember.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but uh anyway, uh yeah, it's uh it's actually pretty pretty slick and if I were doing like a little standalone GUI app thing that maybe had some uh, like more interesting controls than just form controls, uh, like charts and graphs and all this other other stuff that you normally or would like say make like a dashboard or some kind of tool or even like instrumentation. Uh, this would be a great great GUI for doing like instrumentation front end work for uh for your you know instruments or whatever um, sensors and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you're not using like a web UI or something like that, this is definitely like you know um like a forms ui type type environment where you have like a real window or windowed app or whatever not a not a web app or a progressive web app so uh yeah um this was new to me to hear about it and of course it's still fairly new obviously 060 is not a uh, 1.0 release but uh it looks pretty uh pretty slick check out the website i linked the github there in the uh in the uh, show notes so uh, you can find out all other kinds of information from that point
1: all right, I guess very I'll read good. The next one. Yeah, I guess the next one is yours. Woohoo! Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no. Did I about that?
3: Sorry. Yeah. So, announcing .net 5.0. Yeah, that's right. We are excited. We are so excited. This is from DevBlogs at uh, Microsoft. Uh, we are excited to release .net 5.0 today and for you to start using it. It's a major release, including C sharp nine and F sharp five with a broad set of new features and compelling improvements. It's already in active use by teams at Microsoft and other companies, uh, including the one that I work for, uh, in production and for performance testing. Those teams are showing us great results that demonstrate performance gains and the opportunities to reduce hosting costs for their web applications. Cause hey, we don't have to use IIS. Thank you, Microsoft. Anyway, uh, we've been running our own website on 5.0 since preview one from that, from what we've seen and heard so far .NET 5.0 delivers significant value without much effort uh, to upgrade uh, unless you're coming from like .NET standard it is a great choice although they have some stuff that you can kind of upgrade your app but
1: hey move along this is a windows story we don't care anyway I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a great choice for your next app and a straightforward upgrade. For, okay. Blah, blah, blah. We hope you are enjoying it on your desktop, laptop, or cloud instances, ASP.net core, EF core, C sharp nine and F sharp five are also being released today. <clears throat> the. Net conf 2020, our free and virtual conference is being held today. So this was already in the past. However, you can find it all online on their, uh, on the YouTube channel and uh, you can download. .net 5.04 windows, Mac OS, Linux, uh x86 x64 arm32 and arm64 interesting tidbit on the uh, linux installation side is that the snap package is the preferred installation method seems like Canical uh, scores a win there with uh, that particular uh, <laughs> <laughs> documentation effort on the on the microsoft side and does anybody know what the uh, license for .net 5.0 is are you wanting us to guess or yeah just guess what
1: uh mit yeah, MIT. Very <laughs> <They're> good. <laughs>
3: Very permissive. So anyway, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. <laughs> it's good. It's pretty good. And, uh, you know, I've, I've spun up apps, uh, both in Mac OS and in Linux using dot uh, net and everything just works. So, uh, you know, using Visual Studio Code, which I think a lot of people are using for even just, uh, just any kind of development right now these days. Because, <clears throat> uh, the extensions library is
1: so, so good. Um,
3: yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. Good
1: stuff. All right. Well, let's move on. Get away from Windows for a minute. And- <laughs> That's not Windows. It's Linux. Well, okay. It's yeah. cross platform. It's cross platform.
3: Cloud, cross-platform, runs on a Raspberry Pi. Come on, come yeah. on. All right, you know. all right, fine, yeah. fine,
1: fine, fine. You win. <laughs> <laughs> so slipping into Linux in the ham shack, let's talk a little bit about the latest release, Candidate 2 of WSJTX 2.3.0. Uh, it fixes issues found in RC1, which is good because that's kind of what RC2 is supposed to do. Uh, dropped audio samples, message box is removed. Warnings and errors for those are now sent to the WSJTX system log. FST-4W spots to whispernet.org will be augmented such that the server can distinguish the mode being spotted. That's always handy. Spots to whispernet.org will no longer be restricted to whisper subbands. A new internal system and data logging facility used to provide trace, debug, information, warning error, and fatal error messages is included. The verbosity and filtering of messages is user definable via a configuration file. Without a configuration file, a basic log is written with information warning and error messages only. Log files are automatically rotated to limit disk usage. And due to some users using inappropriate multicast IP addresses for their interoperating servers, this is a feature I ran into, the default behavior is now to only send multicast UDP datagrams to the loopback network interface, which is useless, Users who require WSGTX UDP message protocol datagrams to reach other hosts will now have to configure WSJTX to send on an appropriate network interface and use an appropriately scoped multicast group address for their server applications. If you're not sure, then 224.001 or if you're doing IPv6, 2 is the desired choice for multicast. Multipass. Master. Multicast. Multipass. <laughs> Yeah. and uh yeah i i am running uh rc2 as of today and uh, it works great i have no problems with it. and I, other than having to set the interface for multicast uh which took about 30 seconds to figure out even not knowing that there was a thing that had to be fixed um <laughs> uh, that pretty much took care of it and uh i even have my dark mode back so i'm happy about that i'm Yay! still still waiting for that to be a GUI toggle uh but other than that it seems to work pretty flawlessly and I was working a lot of 60 meters today and got lots of contacts. So nice. <laughs> I, I'm starting to dig 60 meters actually quite a bit. So
3: yeah, I gotta I gotta figure out if, uh, if one of my radios will actually do that. I don't know. I think oh I have 60 meters on the FD450D, but I think they have a channelized, so it sort of wigs out when uh, WSJTX tries to control the rig.
1: Yeah, both um, both of my rigs, uh, I'm, the five megahertz band is is pretty much open. So uh, interesting. Yeah, so I don't have a problem doing sixty meters on either either radio at the moment. Yeah, maybe I'll play with mine again. I haven't, I haven't messed with that in a while. So it's been, I mean, sort of sort of when when seventeen when seventeen sort of starts to drop off, you know, after Gray Line and everything. Um, yeah. When, when 40 starts to get really banging, uh, 60 is usually pretty good, too. So.
3: Ah, interesting. Yeah, will take that into consideration. <clears throat> well, that leads us right into our other topic, which is a distro that uh, I have uh, quickly tried out inside of a virtual machine, so I won't get into much detail on it. But this is uh, the latest release of Kali Linux uh, 2020.4. So, is it LHS ready or not? Let's see. Uh, Kali Linux, uh, which we have reviewed on here before, is a Debian-based Linux distribution aimed at advanced penetration testing and security auditing. Uh, Kali Linux contains several hundred tools which are geared towards various information security tasks, and, such as penetration testing, security research, computer forensics, and reverse engineering otherwise known as hacking, <laughs> uh, Kali Linux <laughs> is developed, funded, and maintained by Offensive Security, a leading information security training company. And, uh, yeah, so this is uh, Debian-based, and uh, no surprise, it... Uh, It uh, has a really fat ISO image (laughs) that you have to download because it comes pre-installed with a bunch of, uh, bunch of applications for doing all kinds of stuff. Let me just give you a couple of little menu items here as I move my other monitor so I can see it. Yes, they can do wireless attacks, password attacks, attacks, um, web. Application analysis, database assessment, reverse engineering, talked about exploitation tools, including like search exploit and <clears throat> SQL map, sniffing and spoofing, post exploitation forensics, and let's say some social engineering tools as well. Hey, can, can never do without those. <clears throat> and a bunch of information gathering stuff like doing SMTP analysis, SNMP um, walks, and all kinds of interesting stuff that you can do out there on network devices and computers and servers and everything else. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just uh, I loaded up the ISO, popped it in there, uh, just did a quick little install of the ham radio stuff. It's all there, of course, because it's Debian, and you know, your ham radio pure blend's all there. Installed the uh, latest version of uh, w- WSGTX, at least the one that was in the repo, was 2.2.2, uh, 2. 2. 2, which I think is the general release right now. And that, I think that's only in the repo for, uh, what, Ubuntu uh, 20.10. <clears throat> so, uh, so it has the latest version of that. Uh, I did uninstall it right afterwards and got rid of the data package as well and then quickly installed, uh, WSJTX 2.3.0 RC2 like Rust did. And, uh, I noticed that, uh, it came in and turned on directly into dark mode, <laughs> which I had to ask Russ about. It's like, did yours do that? <laughs> so Mine did not. Yeah, apparently it has, a, that's an undocumented feature inside of WSJTX is that it's looking at some key environment variable for whether it should start off in dark mode or not. So, uh,. That's uh, news to us here and uh, possibly information to you if you have an OS that is uh, semi-dark mode, which uh, Kali Linux by default is dark mode. Um, so, yeah, anyway, it's, a, it's an easy 4.7 on the, uh, on the old uh, LHS readiness chart. Um, it does have a lot of extra stuff in there unless you're not really interested in that other stuff. It probably is a, a is a bit too much, <laughs> too much stuff to uh, to have in your base installation. Um, like uh, at least they don't install LibreOffice on here, so you have at least one thing you can install to add even more fat. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of cool and interesting tools are in there. And I have played around with some of the tools before on Cali and uh have definitely almost melted a laptop, you know, doing an analysis on a packet capture. So uh <laughs> buyer beware once you start getting into the tools and wanting to check stuff out for yourself that uh yeah some some tasks are uh, not for underpowered devices. So uh, <laughs> I would recommend if you're going to do any type of air crack and stuff like that that uh, you have a, a pretty significant uh, uh, uh piece of hardware there that uh, is is doing that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'd uh, check it out. It's uh it's it's definitely ham radio ready and uh even better because you get dark mode for free on uh, WSJT-X.
1: <laughs> I might try and see. I'm running 20 what am I running on my I- Hamshack, it's either 2004 or 2010, can't remember, and might switch that into a dark mode and take take it out of the desktop file and see what happens. Yeah, see if it does it on its own, that'd be interesting. Yeah. All right, very cool. So we're down to the end of the topics for tonight, but that means we still have the social media roundup, so she's looking very concerned over Uh, there. I'm
0: trying to take care of something.
1: Okay, well, you can take care of it after you blow through the social media roundup. <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: <laughs> okay, so this time for our Patreons, we have John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jakeway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gever, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, Andy Webster. For subscriptions, we have Michael Burdack, Kevin Ivy, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ikey, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spotts, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hill, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Angle, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Ruel uh, Cornif and Tom Tom Waller. No one joined us on Twitter. On YouTube, we had Donald Alskug um, and Donald Pernhagen. Uh, on mailing list was Ruel Cornif. Cornif, how it's pronounced. Luke Bryan and no merchandise sales.
1: All right. Well, that does it. We are down to the end. Let's check the chat room and see if anybody has any. Interesting questions or nasty commentary for the show. <laughs> we do have, uh, we do have a new call sign in there, I believe. Go ahead and mention the folks in the chat room we had tonight. We had Ted WA0EIR, Tony K4XSS, Paul K5WMA, Don KC9ZMY, Stacy KB7YS, and Philip KJ4VFO. Which looks like a relatively new call sign and might be interesting to find out if that VFO was actually sequentially assigned or if they just, uh, <laughs> pick KJ4 because that was the first vanity <laughs> they could come up with that, that ended in VFO. But if they got that sequentially, that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, that's pretty slick. Yeah. KJ, Kilo Juliet. That's got to be pretty new. I don't know where, where they're at, uh, in the fourth call area, but, uh, KJ seems seems like it's kind of new. Um, but anyway, thanks for the folks who were with us live in the chat room tonight. We appreciate you. And we also appreciate all the folks who listen to us when the show is released on its normal channels. And I'm, you know, I'm working on trying to cover them all. I, I think they're just about everywhere. I mean, from iTunes to podcast alley to Spotify to Amazon podcast. Uh, I don't know if, if, uh, There's a place where you can get a podcast. I think we're there, but uh, feel free to let us know if I've missed one. Trying to make sure that everybody who listens to podcasts can listen to Linux in the shack. And with that, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. This has been episode number 381 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill
3: N-E-4-R-D-73.